Well, there it is, the, the plot and the, the part that catches you up to, to a Christmas carol. My name is, is Mark, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here, so welcome to Movement Church. If it's your first time, we, like Sarah said, have been in a series uh, called A Christmas Carol, and so we, we like to show that clip every week just because it, it quickly captures uh, the, the, the basis of, of that story. If you don't know, uh, Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge there is a guy who was visited by a former business partner in the form of a ghost. Uh, because his, his life wasn't where it needed to be. And so he, he told him, you're going to be visited by three more ghosts throughout the course of this night, the ghost of Christmas, past, present, and future. And so uh, that, that's, uh, that's basically where we've been, because we believe that, uh, that Christmas has value. The, the biblical story of Christmas has value when we look at it in the past, present, and future. And so if you're confused right now, Ebenezer Scrooge, uh, does not appear in the Bible, neither the Old nor the New Testament, but we just think that this uh, is, a, is, a, is a nice way to wrap Christmas and, and to parallel some of the things that, that we want to talk about. Scrooge was a guy uh, who, in, who in some ways had, had many things that we all want. He, he had money, he had security. Uh, when he was younger, he, he was someone who was in love, and yet as he got older, he found himself alone and, and self-centered and, and without the friends and the, the love that he had known earlier in life. And so uh, as we've been taking a look at this, we've been, we've been using his life as an illustration uh, for some of these themes. So two weeks ago, we had a visit from the ghost of, of Christmas past. We talked about uh, the fact that the, the biblical Christmas story, the, the backdrop of the Christmas story, uh, speaks into Christmas today. We said long before Jesus walked the earth or Christmas trees existed, People were asking for a savior. People were asking for a Messiah. And people were asking for someone to save them. And so Jesus is the one who was sent to save us and to lead us. We said that the, the biblical Christmas story and even some of the prophecies that were foretold in the Old Testament uh, show the fact that God is guiding history and God was writing this story. There are 353 prophecies that were fulfilled from the Old Testament to the New Testament just by Jesus coming and, and being born in this earth. And so uh, we said that the God who wrote the Bible, the God who wrote scripture and who has controlled time has, has shown us that, that when Jesus, his son, was promised that God delivers. We said that Jesus delivered in the past and he continues to in the future. And so our big idea for that morning was that we can trust Jesus because his past solidifies our future. Last week we had a, a visit from the, the ghost of Christmas present. And we said that, that honestly, just like us, Scrooge didn't like what he saw in his life when he, when he looked in the present. Maybe he was blaming that on the past or maybe he'd been affected by the past. But as he looked at his life now, he didn't like where he was and he didn't like what he saw. And sometimes we can say the same thing. But we said when, when Jesus was sent to this earth, when Jesus came to this earth, his presence in our lives should change where we are presently. His presence should change our present. We said that's because of what we learned in Colossians, that Jesus is visible. And so we should make Jesus visible this time of year. Jesus is supreme. People should be able to look at our lives and see his supremacy as it relates to other things. We learned that Jesus is responsible for everything we know and see in this world through creation. And so we should make that obvious, that Jesus is the one who is owning everything in our lives. We said that Jesus is holding things together. And so if we're truly living out the Christmas story and letting his presence dictate our present, that people should be able to see that Jesus is what is holding us together. We should offer that same hope to others, that Jesus can hold their lives together. And we said, ultimately, that, that Jesus is the one who helps us find our way back to God. 
because we were created to know God. And so we want to stick to a, a similar theme today, but this is, this is week three. We want to finish this story, and so we're going to be uh, talking about the ghost of Christmas past. Now, I have to be the bearer of bad news. We had a technological meltdown this morning. We've all had that, right, where, where something goes wrong. I happen to be a Mac computer guy, and so sometimes you probably know friends that are Mac people. We run our mouths like snobs, and we talk down to the Windows world and act like we're better than you. We're not, but it just makes us feel good, right? Uh, maybe you do that with Chevy or Ford or something in your life. We all, you know, you're like a Starbucks person or some other place. I, I like to say that, that Mac computers are great, and truthfully, all technology was made to frustrate us and let us down. And so our movie clip is, it's, it's dead today, I've got to be honest, guys. There's no movie clip, and so you're just going to have to roll with me as we talk about the ghost of Christmas past. But if you know the story of Scrooge, if you know the story of A Christmas Carol, you know that eventually Scrooge is faced by, by looking into, into his future, right? He has seen how his past affected his present, how he's not where he needs to be, but he looks into the future and he sees scary things. No matter what version you're watching, whether it's the Muppet version or the weird black and white one that we all watched in sixth grade literature, or if you're watching the Disney one that we've been showing the last couple weeks, Scrooge looks into the future and he realizes the way his life has been set up, no one cares about his death. No one even notices. There are people, there are people who, who laugh. There are people who are glad he's dead because he was hanging some debt over their heads or he was harassing their family or he was, he was making their life complicated. And so when this man passes away, no one even notices. No one even cares. And he's kind of had these wake-up calls. He's seen his life in the past. He's seen it in the present. But looking into the future is that official, final confirmation where he says, my life is heading nowhere. My life is heading toward an empty death where no one even notices that I'm gone, where no one even cares. And that's a wake-up call for him. That's a realization that his life isn't where it needs to be. And we said we're doing this series because it parallels some of the things that we feel sometimes in life. And I'm sure that there's, there's someone in this room who at some point has, has felt like they, they don't know where their life is, but ultimately they don't know where their life is headed. We've all felt like that. We wonder, does my life matter? Is anyone going to notice when I'm gone? What's, what's my impact and what is, what is this all about? We can learn a lot from, from Scrooge. And so this morning, we want to look at a passage in the book of John as Jesus interacts with his disciples that just gives us some clarity on what the future looks like and what the future can look like. Our big idea for this morning is that Jesus wants to rewrite your future. And so I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 14 if you've got a Bible. If you, if you don't, there's one under your seat or in the seat next to you or in the row in front of you. You can, you can wrestle the person in front of you for it and see who ends up with it if you want. If you don't have a, a copy of the Bible, we value God's Word so much. And so if, if you want to take the, the Bible that you're holding or a Bible that's near you there, take that home and begin reading it. Uh, we would love that so much. That's our gift to you. There's also some back at the, the tables in the back, but you can, you can go and do that. But I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 14 on page 823. Page 823, I want to just read uh, verses 1 through 7 here and, and just talk about what it looks like for Jesus to rewrite our future, what it looks like for us to realize that sometimes our lives aren't headed where we want them to be, but that Jesus speaks into that and and wants to offer us a different future. John chapter 14, page 823, verse 1, says this. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. 
There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. Verse 5 says this. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Those verses start off sounding, sounding very very uh, secure, right? Jesus is saying, I've, I've got this place for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you there. I'm going to prepare it. You can be there with me. It sounds really good. And yet, uh, Thomas, one of the guys that's, that's spent a lot of time with Jesus... He has a moment of clarity, a moment of honesty, and he's like, all right, I've got to be honest. I don't know where you're going, and I don't know what we're talking about. We said that sometimes we feel like that, right? We're looking to the future, and we say, I'm not sure, I'm not sure where I'm headed. I'm not sure where this is headed. I don't know what my story is. I don't know what the end is, but I, I don't think I like it. And even this guy who spent a ton of time with Jesus looks, looks at this situation, looks at, at God himself, looks at Jesus talking to him and says, I'm, I'm confused. Some of us are willing to be that guy. Some of us used to just sit in class and sit there and, just kind of nod our head till we eventually got something or till we failed out of the semester, whatever, whatever came first, right? But, but Thomas is willing to say, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure what this is about. And so look at this in verse 6. Jesus says this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would, know, you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you do know him. And you have seen him. Jesus is giving him a moment of clarity there. And he's saying, listen, you didn't understand what I was talking about. Preparing a place, building a house, where I'm going, who I am, where this is going. And he has a very, very clear moment where he stops this conversation. He's talking to these guys and he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There are a lot of people this time of year that, that think the Christmas story is, is about a cute baby that, that came to earth to make us feel warm and fuzzy so that we could have a nativity scene and we could teach children about that so that we could have something to balance out Santa. There are a lot of people that, that think that this time of year is about just taking off work for a few weeks or, or eating donuts and cookies. Some people think that, right? Sad individuals think that. No, I'm just kidding. I had a lot of cookies this week. I've got to be honest with you guys. This, this time of year is, is not about that. This time of year is about the fact that Jesus was sent to this world. And he wasn't just sent to be, a, to be a cute little baby. He was sent to this world because of our need for him. He was sent to this world because we were created to know God and be in relationship with God, just like Adam and Eve at the beginning of creation. But sin entered the world and separated us from him. Separated us from knowing God and being in his presence. So God had compassion and grace and sent his son Jesus. And we see that, like we talked about, all through the course of history, all through the Old Testament. We see that being prepared and being prophesied so that we know that God had a plan and God had a a gracious attitude and had love toward us. And Jesus came and lived in this world and lived on this earth, fully God and, and fully man. He was without sin. So he looked like us. He was, he was without sin. He was perfect. And so the penalty for the wrong things, the things that we have in our lives that are, that are sin, that are against God, the penalty for those is death and is separation from God. 
Jesus didn't have sin. And so when he was accused of that, when he was crucified on the cross, he was doing that to take the punishment for our lives and for our sins. And so him coming to this world was not just about a cute story or about a nativity scene. It was about him coming to this world so that when he, when he died, when he was crucified on the cross, and when he was raised from the dead three days later, he was defeating death and defeating sin and giving us life and giving us meaning. And so that's why he can clearly say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. The way to God is not good behavior or nice things. The way is Jesus. There are a lot of things that we believe will get us to heaven, that we believe will change our eternity, we believe will affect us. None of those things are the way. Jesus is the way, and he is truth. And he gives us life. The Bible tells us that if we understand who Jesus is, we understand what he's done for us, we understand that he's given his life so that we can have life, and we understand that when we're found in him, when we trust in him, that he takes sin out of our life, he eliminates sin from our life, forgives those past sins, and builds a bridge from us to God the Father so that we can know God as we were created to, as we were intended to. We can have a relationship with God, we can be found in God, and we can be found in his love. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when we understand that, when we trust that, when we confess that we've, we've sinned against God, but we want to put our faith in him, the Bible says that we will be found in him. And we will be a part of the kingdom of God. We will be his children, his adopted children. We will be living in his kingdom. That is what the Christmas story was setting up all along through the past and the present And as we look to the future, we know that we will celebrate with God in heaven for eternity if we've given our lives to him, if we're found in him. Scripture tells us that. And that's the backdrop to these first few verses that say, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. Jesus was was painting a backdrop and saying, I've already given my my life. This is when he was was with the the disciples. He said, I've I've given my life. And, And so you can know love. So you can know God the Father. You can be found in him. You can have a relationship with him. And so when we do that, we're already a part of the kingdom of God. We're living in the kingdom of God right now. And so as Sam shared, why we want to reflect the glory of God, why we want to do things that are generous, like our generous God, we're doing that because we want to reflect God's glory and we want to make this world about him because we're living in his kingdom. And yet, we're told that he's going to prepare a place for us. He's preparing a place in heaven so that we can be with him for eternity, so that we can, we can just worship him and be in his presence and be with his church. And that is a big deal. That is a huge deal. That's an exciting deal. I like to think that everyone will be able to sing on key in heaven. Won't that be really awesome, right? Think of the the greatest singing, the greatest worship, the greatest party you've ever been to. It'll be so much more and so much greater because Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And so those of us like Thomas who can look at this and say, no, I I don't know where I'm headed. I don't know where this is going. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who you are. I don't know what this means. Jesus gives a moment of clarity here and says, listen, Everything that's happened up to this point leads to your future. Everything that's happened up to this point is is pointing to the future. 
and we have a decision to make. Because Jesus is very clear, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we can't say, well, nobody told me. I didn't, I didn't know. I thought, I thought I was just supposed to buy presents. Jesus said very clearly, there aren't other ways. There's not multiple ways. There's not multiple people, multiple religions, all the different things. I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And my coming to earth, my death and resurrection and giving my life for you is a big deal. And it's so that you could have life in me. It's so you could be found in me. The work of God to orchestrate that through time had a purpose. Because God wants to change our present. But by offering his son Jesus as a bridge to to know God, he wants to rewrite our future. We've been talking about this for a few weeks. We've been been in this passage as a a church, and I've got to think that there are some people who could say, you know what, I haven't really known that. I haven't really understood that. I've kind of been confused by that. I haven't really known what Christmas was about. Or maybe, maybe like Scrooge, you just kind of wanted to, to live in ignorance. I've got to think that somewhere deep inside his heart, he knew that his life wasn't headed where it was supposed to. He had to know that he, he wasn't doing the things that, that he should be doing. He had to know that, that as he looked at his life and as he took stock of his life and as he evaluated his life, you know what, something's wrong here. And most of us at some point in our lives have felt a void. We've felt that something's wrong. We've felt that, that our lives weren't headed where they were supposed to. We felt that we were created for more, and yet we didn't know what the answer to that was. And so maybe over these last couple weeks, maybe this season in your life, maybe these last couple Sundays, maybe today as you've sat here, for the first time, you've had a moment of clarity, and you know that, that God has been orchestrating time. God has been writing history, and God has been saying, history is about me. History is about my glory, and I want you to know me, and I want you to be in my presence for eternity, and so I sent my son to die for you. The gift of, of salvation is a, is a free gift. One of my favorite illustrations Ever, I know a guy that as he, as he talks about the, the gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus, he always likes to find a kid in the room. He pulls out a dollar and he, he always brings the kid up and he says, here, this is yours. And the, the kid will just kind of look at the dollar because you don't want to just grab a dollar out of someone's hand. That's called stealing, right? That's illegal in America. And uh, he'll say, so what, what do you have to do to make this gift yours? And everybody's kind of looking around. Eventually someone says, take it. And so he'll always have that child reach out and and take that dollar, and as soon as he does that, it becomes his. And so it's neat to talk about salvation. It's neat to talk about the, the gift of, of Jesus, and yet sometimes we still keep a distance between us and, and Jesus. There, there are people in this room, I, I believe, who are keeping a distance between Jesus and themselves because they, they don't want to trust, or they, they don't believe, or they just haven't taken that, that moment to, to trust and to, to show faith and to say, Jesus, I... I believe you are who you said you are. I believe that you came to, to give me life and to let me have relationship with God the Father. I trust you and I give you my life. And so this morning, I want that to be where this, this series was leading. The point of a Christmas carol was, was not so that, that we would all know all the ghosts that visited Ebenezer Scrooge, although that's fun. The point of Christmas is not that we can, we can give gifts and feel warm and fuzzy and decorate trees. The point of Christmas is that we can understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and he is life. And we can give our lives to him. We can be found in him. We can know his love. 
So I'm going to ask you to, uh, to, to bow your heads this morning as we, as we pray and as we transition and, and close. If you are someone who, for the first time, is, is realizing who Jesus is and what he's done for you, if you're, for the first time, you're realizing that he's given his life for you, we would love to talk to you about that. We have a table called the Next Steps Table. We would love to help you understand what it means to give your life to Jesus, what it means to, to take that gift of salvation, to say, Jesus, you gave your life so that I could know you, so that I could be found in you, so that I could be with you for eternity. If you're someone who, who is understanding that for the first time, who wants to talk about that, wants to talk about what it looks like to grow in a relationship with Jesus, to, to read the Bible, to, to spend time with believers so that you can know God and know his will for your life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to, to do something. And I know that maybe in, in some way it's embarrassing. We often wonder, what will people think? What will my family think? What will my friends think? And I want you to know that, that none of those things matter. Because like we talked about, this, this life, this world, it's just a small blip in eternity. And so the decision that you're making is to give your life, to give your heart, to give your eternal soul to God, to give your life to Jesus and, and honor him with the way you live. And so I'm just going to ask, if, if, if you're here and you want to know more about, about giving your life to Jesus, if you, you want to know more about, about being found in relationship with him, we're going to ask you to go to the Next Steps table after the service. But will you, will you just put your hand up and, and say, I, I want to know more about giving my life to Jesus today. I, that's a decision that I, I know that I've needed to make. That's a decision that I know that God has been working in my life to bring about. It's a simple thing, and yet it's a, it's a moment where you can take a stand and say, God, you're working in my life. Will you, will you slip your hand up and say, I do want to talk to someone about that. I do want to know what it looks like to be found in Jesus, to have my eternity changed. We have the privilege this morning of celebrating this Christmas season, of celebrating who Jesus is and what he's doing. And what he's doing is is rewriting our future, rewriting history. There are many, many people in the room who have already given their lives to Jesus, who have been found in him. This isn't just a, a review lesson, and we, we get to gloss over that and think, yeah, I made that decision in eighth grade. It doesn't apply to me. This is a, a chance where we get to say, Lord, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for the reminder that the Christmas season is. Thank you that Jesus gave his life. Thank you that this wasn't just a cute baby being sent, but this was something much bigger. Lord, I pray as, as we uh, enter into a time of singing, a time of worship, Lord, I pray that you will help us remember that you sent your son out of love and out of grace. I pray that you will help us remember that we are found in you, that we are found in your love. Lord, I pray that we will be able to celebrate your kingdom and even look forward that much more to to eternity and what it will look like to be with you in the place that you've prepared for us. 
Lord, you've done that out of the goodness of your character and out of the goodness of your heart. Help us to celebrate that, rejoice in that today, and be excited. Help us to be a church that is passionate about singing to you, passionate and joyful about honoring you with our lives, not just in this room for one hour a week, Lord, but at our jobs and with our families and over the holidays for these next few weeks, Lord, I pray that we will live out purpose and live out that you have sent your son to rewrite our future. God, be with us now as we sing and as we, as we celebrate. It's in your name I pray. Amen.